Hey, well, good morning, everybody. I am Pastor Lindsay, and it is just really great to be with you again this morning. And you know, I just, I woke up today kind of happy. I don't know, I just, the, the weather's changing and things are good, and I just kind of woke up with some energy and excited. And um, you know, my kids have been waking up kind of happy too. They have been reminding me every day what the countdown is of how many more days they have of school until their summer break, right? We are down to two weeks. So they have 10 more days that they've got to get through uh, until it is summer vacation. And they are ready for popsicles and late night movies and all of the things, right, that come with summer. And uh, they got a little taste of that already. Last night, we let them stay up and watch a movie kind of late. So I'm watching you guys if you fall asleep while I'm teaching, right? I like messing with my kids. But um, really, I, I think movies are kind of a treat uh, in our house because I think there's something that, that there's like goodness in getting wrapped up in somebody else's story sometimes. And I think that's true in movies, and I think that's true in our lives of, of engaging with other people in their stories. One of the stories or movies that I've been thinking a lot about the past couple of weeks, for some reason it keeps popping around in my head, is that movie Castaway. Did you ever see that? I think it came out in like 2000. And um, it's a movie that starred Tom Hanks. And uh, in this movie, he works for FedEx, and he's riding on this cargo plane, and the plane crashes in the water, and he ends up um, on this deserted island. And so the whole movie, it's like two and a half hours long, and it's pretty much him on this island, and it's just him on the screen, right? Like he is kind of the only actor on the screen for most of the time, right? And, and it's really uncommon to have a story or a movie that only has one character, you know, it's so uncommon and almost unnatural that even in the movie Castaway, they made up another character to be on the screen with him. If you watched the movie, you might remember Wilson. I think we have a, a picture of Wilson. So in the movie, he had blood on his hand and he got it on this volleyball. And so he actually drew a face on this and named it Wilson. And so he was actually interacting with this character on the movie because it's so um, weird, right, to have a story with just one character. Because we don't live our lives or our stories in isolation. And that's actually really good news. Right now we are in a sermon series where we are talking about our stories. And we're thinking about our lives in terms of the stories that God is writing. And today we're gonna continue to do that. And what I want us to do is I want us to think about our stories in terms of the characters that we interact with in our stories. And I want us to do that not only thinking about who has impacted us in our story, right, who's mentored us or taught us or helped us. I want us to think about what kind of character we are in other people's stories. And so every week for the last number of weeks, we've been starting and, and asking this question of if your life were a movie, would you want to watch it? And I love that question. And today, I want to add to that. I want to ask another question for us to consider. And I want to ask you, if your friend's life was a movie, right? If your sister's life was a movie, if your son's life was a movie, or your mailman, or your boss, or your mother-in-law's life was a movie, how would you be cast in that movie? What kind of a character are you in other people's story? And in some ways, this is um, 
a, a simple thing for us to be thinking about this morning because really there's just one thing that we need to think about as we think about our relationships with other people and, and what kind of a character we are in our story and in their stories. Right? And whether you are somebody who follows Jesus or you're, you're, you're just checking things out, right? you're figuring it out, this one thing, if we could all learn this one thing and we could grow in this one way, it would really impact our stories. Because I am convinced that the, how we answer this question of how we interact with other people in their stories is one of the most important things that we can say about ourselves and our lives. Right, so what is this one thing, right? The one thing that we could do, that we could learn, that we could grow in, that will impact our relationships and will transform our stories. Right, this one thing we can do is to love one another. Just love one another. Right, it's both simple and challenging, but actually, I think that growing in love will change our stories. And that's what I want us to think about together this morning. And as we do that, I want us to look at a character in the Bible named John. Now, John was um, a disciple of Jesus, so he was one of his uh, closest followers, and he spent a lot of time with Jesus. And John wrote a lot about love, and so he seemed to kind of get this a little bit more than other people, which is why I want to look at what he had to say. And he wrote one of the Gospels, the Gospel of John, and um, we're going to read from that, and we're going to pick up in this story where um, John was with Jesus and actually was with the other disciples as well. And they were all gathered together, and this was the night that Jesus was going to be um, handed over to be crucified. And so they were all gathered together. They had shared a meal, and Jesus had already shocked them all by washing their feet. And then they were all shocked again when they learned that one of the friends among them was going to betray Jesus and be the one to hand him over. And that was Judas, and he had already left at this point, right? He took his silver and he was gone. And so the, the night was unfolding, right? Things were underway, and there was this small window that Jesus had um, before he was going to be taken away. And what, like, I want to talk about is what did Jesus use that time to talk with his disciples about? And the answer is grapevines. You thought I was going to say love one another. I know you were thinking it, and actually we are going to get to that. But actually what Jesus started in this section talking about was grapevines. He was talking about I am the vine and you are the branches, and so I want you to remain in me. Right? And so I just wanted to say that because where we're going to pick up our reading is at the end of that verse. And so it makes a little bit more sense if you know that going in because Jesus is saying I want you to abide in me. Right? I want you to be grafted in me. I'm about to go away, but this is not the end of the story. Right? You're going to remain in me and move on. And so we're going to pick up this story, um, reading together from John chapter 15, starting in verse 9. These are the words of Jesus. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because a servant doesn't know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends 
because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. So this is what Jesus was saying um, to his disciples. And I don't know what stands out to you when you read this. But to me, when I hear that, one of the immediate things that I think about is that Jesus was using these last precious minutes with his disciples to tell them that they were loved. Right? You are loved. And so as they start out this next scene in their story, they are starting from a place of security. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And then he goes on to tell them, there is no bigger love than to give your life for someone. And that's what I'm about to do for you. And I'm calling you my friends because I'm not withholding things from you. I'm not withholding my plan from you. I'm not even withholding my life from you. I am offering you this. And so he's basically saying on a scale from zero to the biggest, my love for you is the biggest, right? There isn't any bigger love. There isn't any greater love than the way that I love you. You are loved. And so he's using this time to communicate this. And John, John really seems to get it, right? And so John, as he's writing this gospel, whenever he gets to a part where he's talking about himself, John doesn't refer to himself by his name. He refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loves, right? John is the beloved disciple. That's how he calls himself six times. He says that he's the one that Jesus loved. And that just really cracks me up, honestly. Because in my mind, when I picture John, a lot of times what I picture is him walking around with like this screen printed t-shirt that says, I'm God's favorite, right? You can just imagine him walking around like, I'm the one that Jesus loves, right? I'm the beloved one. I grew up um, with two sisters, right? I'm the middle of three girls, so I have an older and a younger sister. And I grew up arguing with my sisters about which one of us was my mom's favorite, right? We would argue about this all the time, saying, no, I'm, I am mom's favorite, right? I was absolutely convinced that I was my mom's favorite, and so were my sisters. <laughs> and so we would argue about this, right? And now as an adult, thinking back on that, I think, I mean, that was some good momming, right? To, to love all three of your daughters with the kind of intensity that every one of them thinks they're getting special treatment, right? That is the kind of intensity with which Jesus loves us. And John kind of got that, right? And so it's like every one of us could wear the t-shirt that says, no, I'm the one that God loves. And every one of us would be right. Because that is how God loves. And so I kind of laugh when I think about John calling himself the one that Jesus loves. But actually, I think it's a really beautiful thing that he refers to himself, not just by his name, but by his identity. It's like he would print a business card and he'd be like, John, somebody loved by Jesus, right? That this is how he thinks of himself. And I find that really compelling to think about how must Jesus have interacted with John for him to start thinking of himself that way? How would I have to interact with someone, right? What would I have to say to them? How would I have to look at them? How would I navigate that relationship for someone to, by the end, to refer to themselves as, oh, I'm, I'm the one that Lindsay loves. That is how Jesus left people feeling. 
right? That is the kind of love that Jesus has. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now abide in my love. Stay in my love, right? Stay rooted to me and my love. So how do we do that, right? How do we abide in God's love? Well, Jesus tells us, he says um, in, I can't remember the verse, verse 10, there he says, um, he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So he's telling us, this is how you remain in my love. You keep my commandments, which makes us then think, well, what's Jesus' commandment, right? And rather conveniently, he tells us in verse 12, he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Right? He says, you are loved. I want you to receive my love, and then I want you to give away my love. I want you to love people with the kind of intensity that it changes the way that they think about themselves, that they start to identify themselves as ones who are loved, that they are beloved because they are and because you are. And John kind of got this, right? And so I think that, that it matters a lot for us to get this too, and for us to understand that this is how loved we are. And Jesus said, this is how you stay connected to me, right? This isn't the end of the story as he was going off to be crucified. He was saying, this isn't the end, and I want you to stay connected to me, and I want you to know that this is how you stay connected to me, and this is how you follow me. And so for those of us who are trying to follow Jesus, Right? I know not all of us have, have decided to follow Jesus. Those of us who are saying, yes, this is what I want to do, one of the things that we have to remember is that our lives will never actually be about Jesus if we keep making everything about ourselves. Right? Our lives are never actually going to be about the kingdom of God and about Jesus and about what he's doing if we keep just making everything about us. And, and so we have to kind of figure this thing out of, of how to be others-focused. And John seemed to have figured some of this out. So I wanna take us to another place where John had written some stuff because not only did he write the Gospel of John, there are these three short books at the end of the New Testament, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And 2nd and 3rd John are letters that um, John wrote. And the first book, 1st John, is more of like a sermon, right? It's kind of this very poetic teaching that he had written. And I want us to read together um, from 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. John says, Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. So this is some of what John was saying. You know, one of the people that has really influenced me a lot uh, through his writings is a guy named Bob Goff. He's written a couple of books. Uh, his most recent book is called Everybody Always. 
And in his writings, he's really talking a lot about this, this idea of how to love everybody all the time. And so I've been really impacted by a lot of what he says and what he teaches, um, and I recommend his books. And he tells the most remarkable stories of how he just like loves people in these outrageous and ridiculously amazing ways. And um, it's been inspiring. And so our family, we've, we've tried to build this a bit into our story and what we do. And so we've been trying to do these things um, to love people and we've been scooping our kids into it. And so we've come up with these, some of these things that we tried to do. One time uh, we, we decided that we were gonna play Ding Dong Ditch. You know this game? It's normally not that nice of a game because what you do is you run up to the door and you ding dong and then you ditch. You run as fast as you can to get away from the house before the people can get to the door, right? And so we decided we were going to do that, um, but we were going to put a spin on it and we were going to leave something at the door that the people would really love. And so my kids like the part of ding dong and ditching, right? And so, so they got to do that. But, but we would leave these things at people's door, right? Whether, whether it was flowers or one time we cooked this whole big like elaborate dinner and it was hot and it was supper time and we just laid it on the porch and we just ding dong and just like hustled as fast as we could to get out of there, right? And, and so they got a kick out of that. Another time there was um, this couple that we knew and um, they loved Christmas and they really wanted their house to be decorated for Christmas, but they couldn't physically do it anymore. And so we decided um, that we were gonna go and we were gonna surprise them and we were gonna decorate their house, right? So they were away at a doctor's appointment for the day and we just went to the store and we got all these twinkle lights and garland and we just like made it look like Christmas had descended on their house. <laughs> and it was super fun and, and the kids were like part of it and it was great. Another time we decided that we were gonna um, put flyers in our neighborhood. We, we went to just like everybody's house, just for blocks, right, and put these flyers. And we were inviting everybody. We said, come to our house on this day at this time and have a hot dog, right, because we just, we just wanted to learn people's names. And so we just decided we were just going to try it. We were just going to do this thing. And like all these people showed up, and it was super cool and super fun, right? And I, I think there's just some of these things that we're just, we're trying to do to incorporate more of loving people in our lives. About two weeks ago, um, I was having a conversation with one of my neighbors, and I found out that she had this really big deadline, and um, she was going to be working late that night and stuff, and so we were ordering pizza for dinner that night, and so I was ordering, and I decided to just add another pizza to the order, and we sent it over to her house. I sent one of my daughters over, and we dropped it off. Didn't really think very much of it, and the next morning, I got um, a text from my neighbor, and she was saying thank you for the pizza, but she also sent these screenshot um, images of a conversation, of a, a text chain that she was having with some of her friends. And in these text messages, she was talking about, um, she and her friends were talking about some of the negative experiences that they had been having with Christians. And it was really heartbreaking to read some of the things that these Christians were saying. And then right in the middle of this text conversation, Right, this is, this is what my neighbor said. She said, I'm not at all religious, but I have neighbors who are extremely religious. And I'll just say, I, I didn't pause to have a conversation with her about why I don't wanna be called extremely religious, right? Like that, that was just like another conversation for another time, right? All she knows, right? She didn't grow up in church. She doesn't go to church and she just knows, hey, I'm a pastor. So, so I'm the extremely religious, right? Okay, so she said, I'm not at all religious, but my neighbors are extremely religious. 
And she said, they are some of the most kind and giving people that I know. And I was, like, I was genuinely shocked when she said that. And then she was telling them about this pizza that we had sent over as the example of why she thought that we were kind and generous. And then she said this. She said, they model the actual teachings of Jesus. But from my experience, that's not the norm, which is what turns people off. And so I was really surprised by her text for a number of reasons, right? I mean, for one thing, I didn't really think the pizza was that big of a deal, right? Honestly, it cost $8. Like, we just, I, I added it on. Like, and I didn't even order toppings, right? Like, later I thought, gosh, I could have sprung for the pepperoni, you know? Like, made it a little nicer of a, of a gift to offer. But, but I was surprised as I was reading it because, like, that pizza meant something to her. And it, it meant something to her that she associated with Jesus. And she said that this was what the teachings of Jesus were. Now, here's the thing. I don't have any idea what my neighbor thinks are the teachings of Jesus, right? I Honestly, I don't think she has gone to church ever, like even one time in her life. But what she knew was that in her life, most of the people who represented Jesus to her were not loving, and all of the people that they were talking about who were Christians made them want to have nothing to do with God and nothing to do with the church. And that was overwhelmingly discouraging. And right, here's the kicker, right? The thing that was off-putting to her was not Jesus or what she thought was the teachings of Jesus, right? That's what she was saying was the good thing. It was the people who said that they represented him who were unkind and unloving and made her say, I don't want to know that kind of God. But I thought, here she is saying, here's an example of a teaching of Jesus. I'd be like, why, why did she say that? Like, why would she even offer that in this conversation with, with her friends? And the thing is, I think that in that moment, she just felt overwhelmed with her job. I think she didn't know what she was going to feed her kids for dinner. And then suddenly this thing showed up and she just felt seen, right? She just felt like she was known and that, that she was loved. And isn't that what God does for us? And somehow in that, she made that connection, right? Loving people is foundational. John said, if you don't love, you don't know God. That's what he said. And if I'm honest, for me, that is one of the most difficult verses in the entire Bible, and it's not difficult to understand. It's difficult because what John is saying is that we have to actually live out this love, right? Love is not just a good idea in our minds that we have. It's not just a warmness in our hearts towards people. He's saying, no, love is something that you actually do. And John is saying that the people who are born of God and the people that know God actually demonstrate love. And there is something in me that resists this. There's something in me that if I were the one writing that verse, what I want it to say is that people who are born of God and people who know God read their Bible or they're active in church, right? People who know God and who are born of God are, are people who agree with what Jesus says, right? That's what I would want it to say. But the reality is that it is a lot easier for us to agree with what Jesus says 
than it is for us to love the way that Jesus loves. Because that's hard to do. And I find myself wanting to take credit, right, for believing the right things and for for doing all of the stuff that seems churchy and godly. And and I want to let myself off of the hook for all of the times that I don't demonstrate love to people. For all of the times when I would rather talk about what they're doing rather than showing them God's love. Right, but Jesus, when he was talking with his friends about how they would know who his followers were, he didn't say they will know you by what you believe. And he didn't say they will know you by all of the great hopes and plans you have for someday in the future. He said they will know you by your love. They will know you by what you actually do and how you actually live out my love among them. And the truth is that loving people can be really hard because we don't get to choose who we get to love. Right? And that story about my neighbor with the pizza, like it's kind of fun, but the truth is she's easy to love. Right? She gives me eggs when I run out and she lets me borrow her truck all the time. I always seem to have something big I need to move and she always lets me borrow it. Right? Like it's easy for us to love people who are like us. It's easy for us to love people who are kind to us. It's easy for us to love people who compliment all of the things that we do that are loving. But it's hard for us to love people who are, who are more difficult, right? It's, it's hard for us to love people that rub us the wrong way. And one of the things that I've realized about myself and I've noticed in other people is that we tend to avoid people who are different than us. We tend to avoid people who, who we don't understand We tend to avoid people who are rude to us or who rub us the wrong way. But actually, in that is where we find an invitation for growth. I was at South Park Mall uh, just last week. And, you know, I was just walking down and um, there was a man who offered me a sample. You know how they do that? Like they're in the kiosks and they, you know, trying to hand you something. And I just said, oh, no, thanks. And I um, kept walking. And his response to that was um, he, he kind of positioned himself to step in front of me. And he said, you don't say no to me. And I'm telling you that I went from really calm to really upset in like, just like as fast as you can possibly imagine. And I was just like, I just was prepared to make a scene and I felt righteous about it, right? I was like ready to tell him exactly why he does not get to tell me as a man what I as a woman get to say no to, thank you very much, right? I, all this stuff is starting, right? Like, and everything that's bubbling up in me, it, it was not patience, it was not goodness, it was, it was not kindness, all of the things that started coming to my mind that I might be able to say to this man. And because God is good and because I try to be attentive to the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, somehow I I managed to have some self-control and not say something that I would later regret. But actually, it wasn't until much later that I was thinking about not only the things that I was glad that I didn't say, but I was thinking about the things that could have been loving that I wish that I would have said in that moment. 
And it was in that reflection that I felt like the Holy Spirit was teaching me something and leading me into something where I once again realized that, you know, it can be easy for us when we're here together, right, in church, when we're among people who think like us, when we're in our small groups, when we're in our Sunday school classes, when we're gathered on a Sunday morning for us to kind of act like we know this stuff and to live it out among each other. But actually, it's how we respond to people who check us out at Harris Teeter or, or how we respond to somebody in a kiosk who's handing us something or how we respond to somebody who writes us an angry email or who posts something online that infuriates us. It's how we respond in those moments that lets other people know and lets us know how we're really doing with Jesus. Bob Goff, who I mentioned earlier, um, said this. This is one of my favorite quotes. He says, people will figure out what we actually believe by seeing what we actually do. Right? They will figure out what we actually believe by seeing what we actually do how we are living this thing out. Because the thing is, people can see us, right? They can see what they, we do. John reminded us um, that no one has ever seen God, but they do see us, right? In 1 John 4, 12, um, this, is, this is a verse where he tells us that no one has seen God. And he, what he says to them is, um, if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us, right? And, and so what he's saying is even though people haven't seen God, if we are loving each other, then God's love is gonna be perfected, it's gonna be completed, it's gonna be accomplished in us. That means that people are gonna be able to see God through us and through our lives. And this has always been the plan, right? This has always been part of the story and how God intended it to be, right? But one of the problems that we have is that sometimes what we try to do is we try to be a better version of ourselves instead of being an accurate reflection of Jesus, right? We're trying to improve who we are instead of reflecting who Jesus actually is, right? My goal is not to be Lindsay 2.0. My goal is to love people the way that Jesus loves people. Right? My goal is to show up in other people's stories and to love them so well and to cheer for them so loudly that they have no question at all what I think about them, that they know that they're the one that God loves. They're the one that I love. Right? I want to show up in people's story and love them without limit and without exception, all of them. Right? The people who are difficult, the people who rile us up and rub us the wrong way and push all of our buttons, right? These people are not obstacles to overcome. They are not a hindrance to our faith or what God is doing in us. This is an invitation for us to pay attention and go deeper in the work that God is doing in our lives, right? And, I'm, and when I say that, I'm not, I'm not talking about toxic people where we need to hold boundaries, right? That's, that's another important discussion, right? I'm talking about the people who are difficult, Right, the people who, are, who just irritate us. Right? Sometimes what we end up doing is we spend our whole lives trying to avoid the same people that God spent his whole life trying to engage. And we don't find it easy to love people the way that God loves them. And that is an invitation for us today. So the question that I have for us 
this morning is what might it look like for you in your story to spend more time loving people? Right? What would it actually look like to practically live this out? What could we do to really love people? What might it look like for us to show up in other people's stories and to love them the way that God loved us? Right, you guys, the good news is that if we haven't been doing this in the way that we want to, that's okay. Right? We are a people of transformation and we get to change. We get to choose what we want to do. We get to choose something different. And so we can choose to show up in other people's stories and to love them with extravagance. And so no matter where you are on your journey with this today, I wanna to encourage you because we're really all starting from the same point. We are all starting from this point of a place of being extravagantly loved. Right, Jesus started out this instruction of love one another by telling them, you are loved. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And that is true for all of us. And so we start out in this place of knowing I'm the one that God loves. And we get to receive that love and we get to give that love away. And that is one of the ways that we stay connected to God. So this morning, may we each go out from here and love people the way that God loves us. And may the love of God that we experience in each other transform our stories. Amen.